What's going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam, and it's time for another episode of the Family Times Podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Ryan, how's the week been, man? What's going on? Oh, dude, it's been great. Uh, we're doing this Friday, so the week is now over. Sitting back, relaxing, getting ready for a, a nice weekend, and uh, just love oh, so so much sports now. It's, uh, I've said this before, you know, such a change from this time last year. We had nothing. Uh, now we just have an overload of, of sports, and uh, it's like just it can't it can't be any better. No, it's a great time to play, especially if you're in a fantasy baseball league right now. Between games getting postponed, COVID, it's been nuts so far. We warned you, though, how am I was saying? Basketball has gone through a lot when it comes to injuries on its own, but baseball early on, man, a lot of injuries to start. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we talked about Tatis last week on the show and then he's uh he's getting activated today so we'll see uh you know we talked about last week if they brought him back early how it was going to affect him so we will we are going to get to see it because he's in the lineup tonight uh so i'm interested to see what that shoulder does i just saw cody bellinger's is down a little bit longer than we thought it was going to be so uh it's it's definitely hitting the stars um you know early here in this in this season do you believe in some of the strong starters like you mean Mercedes and Nate Lowe, even Tyler Naquin? Do you think that these guys will be helping us for the long haul, or are these just kind of flashes in the pan and starting off the season hot? Nate Lowe, I, I'm big on. I, I, I drafted him in, in some of the deeper leagues that I'm in. Uh, a lot of power. You know, he was stuck in, in Tampa where he never really got a chance to, to show his stuff, and the little, little opportunity they gave him, he had some success. Uh, so to get to Texas, which is, you know, power central, especially once we get to the hotter months and the, the ball flies even better down there, uh, I, I'm big on him. Mercedes, we'll see. I mean, he took a big jump in the minors to the majors. Uh, it's a great story. I, I'm rooting for him, but, I, you know, I have a little bit less faith there. And Naquin, uh, you know, I, I, I'm starting to believe a little bit. I kind of thought he was more of a, I don't want to say a platoon player, but not someone that I, I – paid a lot of attention to uh, coming into the season, but the, the more I see, the more uh, I'm starting to believe a little bit. I mean, looking at some of the other players that have had good starts, including Carlos Rodon throwing that no-hitter, what'd you think of that the other night? Very shocking. You know, uh, he was pretty nearly out of baseball almost uh, from, from some injuries, so, so to see him come back, I was doing a little reading on it, and just his velocity has just been able to, to come back so so well I believe in the last inning you threw a pitch that was like 99 miles an hour so uh you know fully healthy I mean he, he was always he was never a great pitcher uh but you know he was someone an, an upper echelon pitcher I, I I don't know that I'm I'm quite buying into him as uh a, a, you know like this is this is what we come to expect but I think especially in DFS right now uh, I took a quick peek ahead of tomorrow's slate, and he's still pretty inexpensive. So, uh, if he's on your waiver wire, he's definitely worth a, a, an opportunity. Is, is you know we know how pit, you know thin pitching gets, uh, and you know ride the wave in DFS for as little while as long as you can. Yeah, I mean even Corbin Burns off to a strong start, not letting up many runs and in over 18 innings pitched already. A point four nine ERA, 30 strikeouts on the year. This guy has been top dog thus far. Yeah, obviously, you know, he can't keep this up. Uh, it, you're not going to go through a whole season uh, with these kind of numbers. Uh, but he was a guy that I kind of didn't believe in coming into the season. But he's 30 strikeouts in 18 innings is, is pretty phenomenal. Uh, the Brewers are playing a little bit better than I thought. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely 
I mean, obviously he's someone you drafted. Um, you know, he was a, probably a top 30, 40 pitcher. Uh, so you, you clearly don't want to try to trade for him right now. And uh, it looks like a guy who, who's certainly going to have a successful 21. Yes, sir. Now, in your industry drafts, or leagues rather, how are you doing thus far? Because there's a reason I'm asking, because I don't, I truly don't know how you're doing. But I'm asking because I want to talk about what happens when you're struggling out of the gate and the desperation some fantasy players get to immediately make moves and not see if maybe, okay, it happens that the stars align and that a lot of your hitters are just cold to start the season. Doesn't make them bad players. It's only been a few weeks. So how are you doing in your industry drafts? At least? I'm actually I'm actually doing fairly well. Uh, I want to say I'm at least in the top half uh, of all of them. Uh, I know Labor and Tout. Uh, I know Tout was head-to-head points. I won the first week. I lost the second week to our own Colby Conway uh, in, in a close one. Um, so that's, you know, still middle of the pack, the FSGA I'm doing. Okay. I'm not in the tank in any of them, which is nice, uh, because that's kind of where I started out last year and then, uh, <laughs> never quite got out of it. FSGA actually, no, I'm not doing that well. So that's the, the one I'm in ninth, it looks like. So that's, that's definitely the worst of all of them. I, I'm, I'm off to a, uh, a surprisingly nice start in all, in most of the leagues. Yeah. I mean, how. When you're struggling in fantasy baseball leagues, especially where it's a very long season, a lot of games, a lot of things can change. I mean, remember, for those that are in roto leagues, it's very, very difficult when you fall down big early to really make that comeback. So my question to you is how exactly do you handle when you're starting out very, very poorly? Do you wait a few more weeks and then start maybe making trades? Do you already start getting out there on that trade, making offers? How are you handling it? Uh, yeah, I tend to I tend to wait a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I usually have some sort of faith in the players that I've drafted. So, you know, two weeks in, I, I can't say that I, I'm bailing left and right. Uh, you know, if there's some guys at the bottom of the roster where I, you know, where I was like, eh, you know, maybe he's got a chance. And, you know, someone like Jazz Chisholm is, is available or, or, you know, someone you know, along the lines that looks like they're off to a hot start and I think might continue. I'm happy to, to cut the fat off the bottom of my roster. But for the most part, I don't do a lot of activity in the first, month of the season yeah i always preach to people to just be patient a little bit it's one thing when your team suffers an injury but even with the tatis deal i mean we were talking about potentially season-ending surgery with this guy now he's been activated mm. yes definitely and then that was it's it's i understand the you know the thought process behind it of, of seeing things start out so poorly but it is such a long season and again I hope that these guys that you drafted, you had some reason behind it. So I don't know that that just you know freaking out after 14 days is is going to be a good strategy for you. No, absolutely. Are there any players right now that have been off to strong starts that you think are going to stay that way? Even some of the guys that we expected to be on the stronger end of things. I mean, Acuna is out of control right now. <laughs> He's hitting like 500 in the last week. Obviously, he was the the, the you know the the top of the top. Uh, you know, Raphael Devers has gotten hot in the last week after really starting out slowly. Uh, yeah. uh, Vlad has heated up, which was good. He he kind of came on a uh, cheap this year, at, you know, after his kind of disappointing last year. Uh, in the catcher position, Wilson Ramos has been hitting a lot of home runs. 
you know, he was kind of a lost cause for the Mets over the past couple of years, and he's come out hot for the Tigers. If you're not in a two catch, if you're in a two catcher league, he probably went. But I don't think most people out there are in two catcher leagues. Uh, so if you uh, if you had uh, you know, him and, and Carson Kelly, uh, so if you have a catcher who's kind of sucking to start the season, you, you might want to make a move on one of those two guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. And now hopefully, by the way, no one else gets injured because again, it's just you know even someone like a Byron Bucks, and all of a sudden now he's dealing with like a hamstring strain. Yep, and they thought it was just a, a little tweak, and now I guess I'm just seeing that it's uh, a little worse than they thought. So we'll see. But you know, on the pitcher side, like you said, Verdon is, is huge. Musgrove threw a no hitter as well uh, for a really strong Padres team. Uh, you know, some closers are changing already. Yimmy Garcia is pretty much taking over Miami. Kendall Graven looks like he's taking over in in Seattle. Uh, there's one more. I'm trying to think. Oh, Emmanuel was it class A yep. for the uh, Indians throwing 102 miles an hour. Uh, so it, you know, the closer carousel, as it does, is uh, you know off to a, a spinning start like everything else. So I was listening to our guy Jim Bowden from the site, and he was saying on one of his radio shows that apparently by June, 70% of the closers will be changed at that time. Yeah, and that's, you know, that we talked about my draft strategy before the season, and I really did wait on, on closers. Now, I've been, I haven't, you know, capitalized on any of these three guys just yet, but there's more coming. I, I wish I got on Cleveland. I, I really do think, cause I was big on Karen Check coming into the season, uh, but it looks like, uh, you know, Classe has, uh, he's just been dealing. So uh, that, that has the looks of one that could last a while. So. Uh, it, but if you're struggling in saves, just keep watching. <laughs> there's more coming. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple more that I'm sure are on the verge, and, and a couple injuries happen. So uh, you know, don't lose faith in that one. There's there's always some more something to find out there. What are your thoughts on Michael Franco? Because I was talking to some of the other guys from the site about him, and I mean, someone that is on a team in the Orioles that don't have a lot of impact bats. I mean, he's got double-digit RBIs thus far. I know it's not a sexy name, and I'm not expecting anything crazy long-term, but would you view him as a short-term solution at all at this point? You know, when he was coming up for the Phillies, I was a big, humongous fan. I love the kid, and he you know, got, had so a couple of pretty good years early on. Uh, and then just kind of tanked out uh, and you know, had a little resurgence with the Royals. And I just, I had written him off. You know, I was, I was pounding his bandwagon for a few years and he, you know, he couldn't even, he couldn't hit a breaking pitch. So that, you know, the league just figured him out. Uh, so at last year when he started to hit again a little bit, I was, I was reluctant. I'm like, no, I'm not going to, he's not going to hurt me again. Uh, but now that he's, he's come out and he's hit again this year, I, I'm starting to, to, you know, I'm willing to maybe, you know, text him here and there. Uh, I'm willing to, you know, try to do some healing and, and see if we can get back together. Uh, and, and you know what? It doesn't matter that Baltimore doesn't have, you know, every team scores runs some, sometimes. Right. You know, every so team I, has I don't an opportunity. That's what I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and so the bad teams, there's always a couple guys who are worth it. And, and Baltimore is a nice hitter's park. They play against you know, in New York, which is a nice hitter's park. They play in Boston, which is a nice hitter's park. The Blue Jays are playing in a minor league stadium right now. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, good opportunities for him to, to hit. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of buying again, reluctantly buying him again. I mean, looking at another team now, and we talked about Naquin before, but looking at some of the other Cincinnati Reds, someone I want to ask you about next, 
Jonathan India, who has been hitting over 300, another guy, double-digit RBIs early. Is this someone that you had on your target list going into the season to try to get on your teams? And whether or not you did or didn't, do you think that this guy's in it for the long haul, for the production? Well, I will say no, I didn't. He wasn't someone that I was focused on uh, to start the season. I don't know that that most people did. I'm sure there were some out there. Uh, You know why? I'm saying yes because of the position, you know, second base is, is pretty thin. As we know, if you didn't get one, one of the top guys, uh, you could really probably use him. I mean, he's not going to thrill you in any category. I know he's hitting like 333 right now. Uh, obviously that's probably going to come down some, uh, hasn't stolen any bases, hasn't hit any home runs. And the, you know, the five runs scored and 11 RBIs are nice. Uh, but I think if he played any other position, he might not be as fantasy relevant. Uh, and if you look in his, his minor league numbers, I mean, he stole 11 bases in 2019 and hit 11 home runs. Uh, so, and that was A and double A. So he's all the way to the, to the majors now. So I don't know if he's is a 10-10 or 15-15 guy, uh, you know, all that valuable anywhere else in second base. So, yeah, he I, – I, I don't know how – impactful he will be but if you're in a league with a middle infielder he's, a, he's a, he at least should be on rosters what about nick senzel this is the last cincinnati red i will ask you about here nick senzel was this someone that you were in on early he hasn't had a lot when it comes to the production good amount of runs but not much when it comes to the rbis he does have a stolen base though uh, I did like him. You know, we we had heard he was coming to the season and, and going to be the starting center fielder. That's when people started get get in on him. He's another guy with you know a little bit of speed, a little bit of power, possibility. Uh, not huge in either department either. Like you said, he hasn't hit a home run yet, and it's only stolen one base. Uh, the possibility is there. Uh, you know, 2019 he played 100 games, uh, hit 12 homers, and stole 14 bases. So I mean, if he could play a full season and get close to 2020, then we're talking a little bit. You know, if you're in a three outfielder league, probably not. If you're in one of these, you know, four, maybe five outfielder leagues, then it's somebody that, that you're looking at. But if you're in like, a, a you know, a, a each spot around the diamond and three outfielders, he's probably hanging on your bench. Yes, absolutely. So that's – Ryan, I just hit you with a lot of players right there, man. You were like a machine, like a freaking – at a batting cage, you were the pitching machine right there, man automatic same speed every time that's why i love getting to hang with you every week my friend good job thanks man i fooled you (laughs) you did but maybe you could fool me by talking to me about a little bit of football here because something that we'll talk about a little bit james connor now with the arizona cardinals wanted to ask you what you thought of the signing for connor and how it impacts the backfield and as well as chase edmonds's value now with connor there you know, the funny thing is, is that James Conner is going to turn 26 years old in May. Think about it. It's crazy. Like, he seems like he, over the hill. Uh, and the fact to me that, that Pittsburgh didn't even attempt to bring him back kind of spoke volumes to me. Uh, you know, he's been their guy for a few, a few years. He's obviously had, uh, you know, a great deal of difficulty staying healthy. Uh, you know, we go all the way back to 2018 when he almost had a thousand yards and, and 12 touchdowns. Uh, so clearly the, the talent is there, uh, but, but the health is a concern. The fact that his own team didn't really try to bring him back, uh, his yards for carry over the past couple of years hasn't been very impressive. 
Uh, he he can p- catch the ball in the backfield. That's that's very good too. Uh, I feel like we're we're looking at a pretty even split. Uh, I think Chase Edmonds is certainly the more explosive, dynamic player. He's more of a, a big play guy, while Connor's kind of probably the the move the chains plotting guy. Um, it wouldn't stop me from from going after Edmonds if that was somebody I was hoping to target. But I I'm not going to go into this year you know, looking to bring Connor into a lot of my teams. Let me ask you this, though. I know that we've done this before in certain years. I remember a couple of years ago, one of the things I did was thinking that there'd be an even split. I invested in a run game rather than just a run running back, a single running back. And I took Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. And no, it didn't work out as well. But being that Connor's stock should fall here and where Edmonds as well as should, is this a situation that if you're going into your drafts with the expectation of I'm going in on the Arizona backfield, you have to get both. It's all or nothing. Yeah, I generally don't follow that philosophy, but I understand the the reasoning behind it. Uh, I think Arizona, you know, throws a good amount and Kyler Murray runs a good amount. Uh, so I don't know if they, you know if they're both healthy and they're both splitting carries. How many that's going to turn out to be for each guy? Right. Um, you know, they, you know, San Francisco is a pretty good defense. The Rams have a pretty good defense. Uh, Seattle, at least against the run, was halfway decent. Uh, so they're you know they're in a pretty tough division against the run to begin with. Uh, I, I just and I you know I started this by saying that Connor was only turning 26 years old. But I, I'm kind of like I, I kind of I don't want to say he's done, but I do feel like his best days are behind him. I am going to be so jaded against a lot of these running backs, and I'm going to have to snap myself out of it because I I really don't know how I want to handle this position at this point. If I get the first overall pick, fine. But beyond that, I mean, if I'm sitting there at five, six, or seven, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, here's a, here's something that I saw. I saw a draft recently done where Cam Akers was taken first pick of the second round. Are you at all worried now that I'm kind of worried that his draft stock is going to balloon up where he's now all of a sudden going to be taken potentially top 10? Yeah, I I, I don't I wouldn't let I'm a, I'm a big Cam Akers fan. Same here, uh, man. I love but, the talent last year and he freaking got hurt and then the lack of the Henderson stuff. But this year, man, I mean, I bought rookie cards of this guy. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, uh, I, I I like him a lot. I don't like him top ten. <laughs> I will say if that's if that's the price, then I probably won't end up with him. Why? Uh, you know. I thought I was going to have to pay maybe beginning third round, late second round, maybe where James Conner was going last year. I thought I was going to have to pay for Cam Akers there, but now it's looking like I'm going to have to pay a second round pick if we want him. You know, if it was mid to late second, I think I might feel comfortable with that. Um, but if, if we're talking top first 15 picks, uh, that as of right now, I mean, it's April 16th, you know, we'll see how things shake out. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be his job. Uh, you know, Malcolm Brown is gone, so that leaves him and Daryl Henderson, who isn't exactly the picture of health. Uh, and hopefully the offense improves with Stafford over, over Goff. Uh, but again, I just laid out the, you know, the NFC West as far as, you know, run defenses and Arizona's isn't as strong, but, you know, still the Niners and, and uh, Seahawks in there. 
but he's just so versatile. You know, he's, he's a good runner. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's got some good playmaking skills. I, I just think he's going to succeed. Uh, th- th- that price right now does concern me a little bit, oh, I got to say. Damn, dude. And now I don't even know how to think about some of the guys like Zeke and Saquon. Who can we freaking trust outside of a few guys? Uh, we yeah you know like, what James Robinson how are you handling I mean look we have time and everything but James Robinson how do, how do we handle him at this point I I like him I, I still think he'll be okay uh, you know hoping that the team is uh, a little more competitive this year uh, you know hopefully they they grab an offensive lineman in this draft you know along with Trevor Lawrence uh, to make some things happen but uh, I, I I think he'll still be fine uh, you know. Obviously, he's not going to get all the carries, uh, you know, with Carlos Hyde there. But I, I still think that he'll get the lion's share. Like, I think people overrate Hyde some. You know, uh, he's good when, when someone gets hurt. Right. But even last year, I mean, he he wasn't eating a lot of carries before, you know, injuries happen. You can't – you don't go into a season being like, we're set. I've got my guy. I've got my bell cow. It's Carlos freaking Hyde. You don't go into a year thinking that. Yeah, and and you know I know Robinson had a ton of carries last year, but he's twenty. You know, be twenty three when the season starts. Carl Tide's thirty or thirty one. Uh, you got to figure this young team with, with Urban Meyer. You got to figure they're going to go with these young kids and, and try to make something exciting this year. You know, the Jags have sucked for so long, uh, and Robinson was so good. I, I just feel like he's he's still going to get. 80% of the carries. I'm not really all that concerned about Hyde myself. Yeah, with the NFL draft coming up, I'm very excited. I've been starting to watch a little bit of tape, going to continue watching a little bit of more. I love watching tape, Ride. You could be honest, not everybody that's an analyst in the fantasy space likes it. Do you like watching tape? You don't like watching no. tape. I like watching games. <laughs> you know, so, I, I, but I you watch can games watch game happen. tape and stuff like that. You can find no. condensed games. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, I'm saying like, I like to watch it when it happens. Like, you know, like am I sitting all off season watching James Robinson tape to understand what I'm going to think about him in 2021? No, I'm, I'm well, not. I, you know what? I should have specified. I mean, for rookies, incoming rookies. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's... I, honestly, honestly, I and probably I don't know if I should say this or not, but I really don't watch college football. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't I, watch know. too much college football. I pay attention to the combine. I pay attention to, to stuff out there. Obviously, our writers are very good, right? Uh, you know, and I glean from people that I know. Uh, um, Jesus, his name is <laughs> John. Who's the gridiron scholar? John oh, John John Lob. He is the best. Dude, uh, was, I I eat up John Lob's content. Like that dude just nails it. So yes. you know, I have people that I trust, I have people that I know, I watch a little bit. Uh, you know, and pay attention and then figure it out. Yes, no, again, and I encourage everyone, you have some time, watch a little bit of tape, and then watch a little bit of more. I love watching tape. I'm a nerd. I'm a sports guy. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Let's get to the family table, Mr. Hallam. What are you bringing this week? You know, this is what I, I meant to do last week, and this is not going to be as much fun uh, with just me and you and not selves, but uh, I was thinking I was, uh, you know, actually went out to dinner yesterday, uh, and I was thinking about dessert, and I'm like, are you a sweet tooth person or, like, a chip savory person? I'm all chips. Like, if it's not, like, brownies, like, I am I could probably never have ice cream again and be okay. Uh, I, I, I'm not a big cake or pie person, but 
Like, I mean, give me a bag of Doritos and I'm all about it. I think I lean towards the sour as well or the salty, whatever. I'm a popcorn guy. I love popcorn. Mm. So I'm a big time popcorn guy. So I think that's the direction I lead as well. But here's the thing. You mentioned something very interesting. Going to a restaurant. Well, that's interesting in itself here. That's like it something. Was. That's a concept to me that I haven't done in what? Almost 14, 15 months. I miss it. But I'll say this. When going to a restaurant, I don't focus on dessert. I don't go to restaurants for dessert. Dessert is the same crap everywhere with a different Mm -hmm. name on it. I go to the restaurant. I judge the restaurant for the food. I put everything, my stomach, my appetite into the appetizers and into the main courses. And I'll even include if if the place has handcrafted cocktails, that I include as well because I love a nice mixed drink. But when it comes to the dessert, that's added bonus. I don't get excited about dessert. No, I never have dessert, honestly. I just thought of it like the table. The next, there was like one other table there. Uh, but no, yeah. And the portions at the restaurants anywhere, like if you eat it, you really shouldn't have for dessert anyway. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, and it's like I don't drink coffee, so I don't get the coffee after the meal. Like, so. Yeah, I'm not a, a big dessert out person, but just had me thinking. I was gonna, I was gonna last week. I was gonna do, what you know, what your favorite chip was, and I got, I decided to say something else. So, so I brought it back this week with the, so seeing, seeing what kind of guy you were. You're a nacho cheese over Cool Ranch guy, right? I am. Okay, I am, good. Yeah. Me, me too. I'm nacho. Yep. I love nacho cheese Doritos. All right, here's what I'm bringing to the table, and it's something about basketball. We're entering the fantasy basketball playoffs. Things are about to get very, very confusing. And if you thought that there weren't enough when it comes to these injuries, let me tell you something. You're in for a rude awakening. You better be ready to drop some stars to save your ass and save your season. I'm sorry. You're going to have to. Some of the guys, like the Jeremy Grants of the world, who are on the Pistons, who are going nowhere, they're going to rest them. They have no incentive to play them. They want to give the young players reps, okay? It's not only them. It's teams that are up in the standings. You notice how all of a sudden a lot of the Raptors are resting? Yeah, they've got a few super slates under their belt, don't they? Well, that's not a coincidence. They're starting to rest players. I'm convinced that they're almost looking to go towards that lottery at this point. Even teams like the Magic, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I can only imagine what happens if the Wizards fall out, but they've been playing better. I don't believe that's the case. What if Minnesota decides to hold out Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell for a week? What are you going to do? You're going to play the guessing game? Uh Uh-uh. You're going to have to abandon ship. You're playing for today. That's what you're playing for. Too many injuries, too much resting. And for those in weekly leagues, you might be screwed, but that's the price you pay when you play in weekly leagues. Okay, don't play in weekly leagues. That's why I don't play in weekly leagues. Because of stuff like this. Injuries have been crazy, Howell, man. And I don't know if you could tell, but I somehow managed to lose more hair. And I don't I don't <laughs> feel like I've had hair to lose in about five years. Yeah, Paul George is the one that's been pissing me oh off. Oh my uh, god, dude. Yeah, yeah, that that one because it's just like no reason for it. It's just like I was close dude, to running to making a playoff. Dude, it puts us all in a loop, man. Like like me and James Grande, John and Pemba. It everything changes, and, and then he plays. It, it's like. It's just, it's very annoying. So for those in fantasy basketball leagues, you have to be on your P's and Q's more than ever, especially in those daily leagues. You you have to, up until lock for every game, you have to be available with your team. It's playoff time. 
Give it the extra effort because that's what we do on Family Times. He's Ryan Hallam. I'm Justin Fensterman. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Fighting Chance. Follow me on Twitter at Fence Sports. Just like you'll do in your playoffs and regular seasons at Fantasy, you'll always dominate. There isn't any other option. You'll just win.